just love cults. When Jeremy Jordan sings Bonnie in the bathtub, like, how could you not fall in love with him? This is gonna start me in a rant about JD. The male harmonies in this show, I could go on about for an hour. There was a moment they shot glitter into the audience and I screamed and raised my hands in the air. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we have been inspired because we just saw The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, and we also just watched the Riverdale Heathers episode. So we are talking cult musicals. Cult favorites. (laughs) Fan faves. A big disclaimer, we are going to use the word cult a bunch in this episode. Keep the count. When I'm editing, <laughs> I'll keep the count. We'll, we'll tweet out a grand total at the end. We need to. Yeah, it'd be amazing. And also for everybody asking the question of, are we actually recording in a car? We are definitely in a car. We are sitting in a car. It is parked though. It is parked. We are not moving. <laughs> we are not moving and speaking or We're moving and reading. Very safe. Yes. But our Instagram is not staged. We do take those pictures in the car. But yeah, cult musicals. Okay, so last night we saw The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. So what did you think? I thought it was so much fun. We saw the tour. It's on a national tour. The tour started in Chicago of, of 2019. And mm-hmm. we saw it last night at the Edmund Rivers Theater in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I thought it's... It's definitely a teen musical, but we love teen musicals. It was a blast. I had the best time. I will also say that, and I can say that this is the only time that I'll say this, probably in my entire life, but we both cried at a toilet paper cannon. That's true. I don't know when a toilet paper cannon will ever come up again. No, but we (laughs) definitely cried. There was a moment they shot glitter into the audience, and I screamed and raised my hands in the air. I was having (laughs) such a good time. (laughs) And it was just really fun. I mean, I've never read the book series. You also haven't. I've never watched the movie. Um, But... It was, it was a really fun night at the theater. There was lots of kids. They really enjoyed it. Yeah, the audience was having a good time and we were cheering and we were excited. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a definitely not a typical theater audience that you would see. Usually theater audiences skew older. Yes. And this one definitely skewed much younger. Yeah, than much, much younger. And the reason, I mean, we didn't see it for the purpose of this episode because we got t- tickets a long time ago. But when we were thinking about episodes to make, we were like, oh, The Lightning Thief is a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. It has a pretty small but passionate but passionate fan following. As we saw from the stage door last night, I would consider The Lightning Thief on its way to becoming a cult musical. I know, it's getting there. It's definitely trying to ride the um, fan support onto more productions and maybe even a Broadway run. Yeah, and for anybody that doesn't know about The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, this has been in the works for a long time. It was introduced in New York City by TheaterWorks USA in 2014 as a one-hour musical part of its free theater series and then it started a national tour this year and it did an off-Broadway run in 2017 but it is based on the 2005 fantasy adventure novel written by Rick Riordan. The book of this musical is written by Joe Trace and the music and lyrics are done by Rob Rikiki. Rikiki? Rikiki. Who is currently working on Punk Rock Girl with Joe Iconis which is potentially coming to Broadway. The Lightning Thief follows Percy Jackson, a teenager who newly discovers that he is a demigod and then goes on an epic quest. And the quest scenes were so good. The fight scenes were so good. I know, we were thinking, what? how long is the fight call for this show? And a huge props to the lighting department because the lighting in this show is fantastic. It was honestly, when they were 
in the underworld and they had the red like track lighting going up the yeah. back of the stage you felt like the heat from it or there were points where they were underwater and mm-hmm. they were the water um even just when they were descending in and the way it was moving made you feel like you were in an elevator and you were descending with them it was fantastic yeah at the end the light tracks spelled out percy <laughs> like five different places it was very exciting the lightning bolts everything it was just it was so well done in the that sense lights were so bright in my yeah. face it like really it's just exciting so excitement yeah and I think that that is why that it's become a fan favorite. The score is also so good. Good kid, listen to it now. Pack your bags, Percy. You're always to blame. I never tried to do anything. I never mean to hurt anyone. I try, I try to be a good kid. A good kid. A good son. I've been listening to it for a long time. I know that that was the first time you yeah, heard it. Yeah, I had heard of nothing before we went last night. It's good. It's a great song. Maybe, like, Bring on the Monsters. Just a clip. Yeah. But that was fun. Yeah. No, my favorite songs from this were Dead on Arrival. Of course. <laughs> your DOA and you're here to stay. Just to reference, they don't say Dead on Arrival right away in the song. They say DOA. And when it was announced that DOA stood for Dead on Arrival, the mother in front of me had a blast with it. She just started laughing. And her kid was like, why are you laughing? She's like, because DOA, Dead on Arrival. It was great. The songs just added so much excitement and energy. And then the audience fed off that energy. And then the cast was feeding off of it. Mm-hmm. So it was a really great night. Yeah. And I also think that this is a huge move for uh, Mervish to bring a show like this here. It was not part of the regular season subscription. It's a bonus show, but this is fully riding the train of let's get kids into theater, Mm -hmm. which I love. I think it brings a whole new, it's a whole new demographic. It's the upcoming generation of musical theater. And it's just exciting to see kids be interested in theater in general. And I also feel like it's a chance for people to say, oh, I love the books. Oh, I've if it's the fan base that is already obsessed with the cast album, I need to see this show, but then I'm also going to look and see what other shows are playing here mm-hmm. and maybe buy tickets to those. And I was just thinking, it was such a young audience. I wonder how many of them were seeing their first musical last night. I know. Their parents saw, oh, my kid read that book. Let's yeah. take them to the show. And then they saw their first musical and maybe fell in love. Like, you have to go to your first musical sometime. That's how you create more fans. Yes. And have more uh, passionate fan bases of different musicals. They grow and grow and grow. Um, the cast of the show was so talented. Mm-hmm. We thought there were so many people on stage. Yeah. And by the end, when there were seven people, I was like, wait, where's this person? Oh, no, that's this person. Everyone was playing so many roles, except for maybe Percy. Yes. Um, and yeah, for the full time, I thought one of the campers and the mom were a different person. And they were Until fully the call. same person. Steph was like, wait, where's the mom? She's like, I was like, that's the same person. And she fully I was, was like, no so way. confused. Yeah. No, they were so talented because they switched tones so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, even the actor who played Luke, he would come out at one point. You're like, is that the first time we've ever seen that guy? I'm like, oh God, no, yeah. that's Luke. Yeah, it's it's hard. And he was also the stepdad. He was the stepdad. He was one of the demigods also. Yeah, he was uh, on the motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. It's it just shows you that you don't need these huge ensembles to have. There was so much creativity in the show, yeah. in the sets and the props. There was a point they'd been wheeling out this kind of little podium back and forth, and then at one point they brought three out, and I realized they were chunks of like 
ancient Greek pillars. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And the lightning bolt was a camping lantern mm-hmm. that shot the bright light. Um, they really use a lot of creativity, and they had um, a little, and they made a lot out of a little. Yes, it's a small but mighty cast for sure. Yeah, and really all of their voices were so good. Yes, Chris McCarroll, and I never heard him I really know. sing before. He was singing right to me during Good Kid. He was. I had a great seat. I was like dead center <laughs> and no tall people in front of me, which you know is prime. Because there were children in the theater. <laughs> yeah, was a child. And he was singing right to me. It was a highlight. Yeah, it's it's great. But And this also reminds me of another small cast from another culty musical of Be More Chill. Yeah, for sure. What's There's that? Ten, ten people? Ten people, yeah. People so maybe this is a new trend. Yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about um, the budget to put a show on... Mm-hmm. To have a huge ensemble costs a lot of money. So to have less people and to do more with less is good for the longevity of a show. Yeah. Um, and good for even uh, productions of it being put up um, around North America and around the world to be mm-hmm. able to do it without having to find 30 dancers to put in the ensemble. Yeah. And I think before we start to get into all of these cult musicals, what is a cult musical? What is a cult musical? So I went and looked up a definition of the word cult. Um, there are multiple definitions, but the one that applied most for what we are talking about and cult musicals in general is a person or thing that is popular or fashionable, especially among a particular section of society. I would agree with that. Yeah. What does a cult musical mean to you? A cult musical means to me is a show that maybe didn't run very long or maybe didn't have a huge amount of success. And this isn't like uh, every, show every show in that category. Yeah. But that has a really passionate fan base. Mm-hmm. Not even a huge fan base, but a smaller and passionate fan base. Um, so a show like uh, The Lightning Thief, we saw a huge audience response. We saw a huge stage door response to them last night. Yeah. Um, and I know it's a show not a lot of people know or not everyone knows. It's only here for a week in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But the fans of it are huge and passionate fans. Yeah, to me, it's, again, same thing, a super dedicated fan base that sort of creates... A massive following in its own way. I said to you the other day that I would classify any show that's talked about on Tumblr as a culty <laughs> musical. That's true. People that make fan art, people that do mm-hmm. covers on YouTube, like all of that stuff is to me is it's fully a fan driven show. Yeah. I agree with you that success is hit or miss because mm-hmm. some shows like Rent are super successful. Yeah. And then you have some shows like Bonnie and Clyde that are not. Yeah. And I also think that in the past, culty musicals have been described as having a great score or at least one song that's Mm -hmm. like an anthem to the fan base. Something that can live on really well in a cast recording. Yes. Because that's, if it's only run for a month or six weeks, that's how it's going to live on. It's going to live on that cast recording played over and over and over again in your bedroom. Yeah, for sure. going to sleep every night. Yeah, and I can tell you that I mean, most of the shows that I see, I feel like you're sort of the same way Mm -hmm. as I normally listen to the cast recording before I see it. Yeah, I can't wait. I have no patience. (laughs) Except for, like, then you have a surprise, like The Prom, where you don't listen to that. I couldn't listen to it before. Yeah, so there are negatives and positives to that, but Mm -hmm. I typically, with shows that I think that I would call obsessed with, Mm -hmm. I've listened to that cast recording nonstop. And one of those shows is Heathers. Oh, Heathers. (laughs) We were just talking about the fact that we were trying to figure out the first time that we had heard of Heathers or have... When did it run off-Broadway? So, Heathers the Musical is based off of Heathers the Movie. Mm -hmm. A cult movie, honestly. Yes, it is a cult movie. Um, The movie came out in 1989. 
and Heathers ran off Broadway in 2014. It never transferred, and that's one of the shows that is shocking that it didn't transfer because the fan base is so mm-hmm. strong. Still passionate. However, it did run in the UK. Just recently. It just recently closed, and I think it's because of the fans. Yeah, the and continued fan response, continued fan passion has led to people thinking, oh, we can do another production of this. We know we'll have people buying tickets. Yes. Um, and I think that also is a sign that it's a show has transcended from being a cult being a, a fan favorite to being a cult musical yeah when people are thinking oh we can do this again and yeah people, we have fans we have people who are coming it's also one of those shows that i think i mean we've now seen two productions of it mm-hmm. um one in guelph at their university put on that performance and then we saw it, it was at u of t but it was by heart house theater did the production of heathers yeah and we also just watched the Riverdale episode. The Riverdale episode. Wow, that was a trip. <laughs> and I think it's super interesting to talk about that because Riverdale in its own is also a cult. And Heather's... There was a cult literally on the show. <laughs> yes, like literally a cult. But it's it's interesting to bring these two worlds together mm-hmm. because I wouldn't necessarily think that the Heather's fans are fans of Riverdale. I mean, here we are, though. <laughs> I know. Here we are. We just watched it. And... Was it cringeworthy? 100%. Yes, everything on Riverdale is cringeworthy. But <laughs> but we also discovered that Colstros has a belt. <laughs> that was good. 17. when he was at the end like the finale moment where they're like taking their clothes off and, and then becoming their the natural on. selves that was like a touching moment yeah I don't know that Riverdale also did Carrie they did Carrie the musical another, last year another cult musical that was a flop the first time it ran on Broadway yeah it was and then they did the off-Broadway one a few years ago I also don't think that that one was super successful no I don't think so I think it's, it's a very flawed musical it's a flawed musical it's also another fan favorite movie people love Carrie I have seen that movie that movie same is it's nuts. crazy yeah <laughs> right at the end of the hand it's it's insane um I do think that the Riverdale Carrie episode was better than the Riverdale Heathers but it's interesting that Riverdale chose two musicals Carrie and Heathers that don't have they didn't choose Rent here they didn't choose like a huge no um musical that everyone they would went know pretty off the top like of their head. off the book here yeah. and went for what's the musicals that people are actually obsessed with yeah, they're not doing Hamilton on Riverdale. <laughs> oh my god. Who would Archie play? Um, Samuel Seabury. <laughs> <laughs> that is so accurate. It's not even funny. Wow. He does like little snaps. Yeah, Dreamcast of Archie as Samuel Seabury. Let's make it happen. Lynn Manuel Miranda, where yeah, are yeah, you? Shout out. KJ Appa is ready. <laughs> I don't even know what I love about Heathers. The music is really catchy, but then also its storyline is so. It's like a satire, it's camp, it's about like a serious subject matter. It's also technically another teen musical, clearly (laughs) something we enjoy. I think that does say something kind of about maybe who cult musicals are targeted towards or who's going to be the fans of them, what's going to be relatable about them. Yeah. Um, Is that... I mean, their high school experience is very different to everybody else's. The the ones we've mentioned so far basically are Lightning Thief, um, Heathers, and Carrie, all about... High and be more students. chill. Be more chill about high school students. Yeah. So it does kind of speak to the fan base. That's not all of them. We'll talk about more that are not about yeah. those. But, you know, those are kind of more modern ones that have really spoken to, um, I don't know, teens. Yeah. And I also think that this is, and something that makes a fan favorite musical become culty for me is not necessarily just the music and the show. People get obsessed with people. 
I am not afraid to say that I am obsessed with specific people. And that is one that when Heathers came out, people Mm -hmm. became super obsessed with Barrett Wilbur Weed and with Ryan McCartan. Yes. And I almost feel that Ryan McCartan became Fiero off of Heather's success. I know. Also his amazing voice, though. He is so great. We love him. But that... His JD is the only JD that most of us know. That's the one that is ingrained in my head. I've been listening to the new West End cast recording a little bit, and I'm like, it's wrong! Yeah, it's hard, and that's... It's hard when you change cast because you become so accustomed to one way, and you become so obsessed with a way that something is produced, and then when you hear a new voice, you're like, that's not right. They didn't do the riff right. They went, they optioned out, like, what's happening right now? He needs to do the... Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yes, he does. What is your favorite Heather song? My favorite Heather song is Meant to Be Yours. Tonight our school is Vietnam. Let's guarantee they never see their senior prom. I was meant to be yours. We were meant to be one. This is going to start me in a rant about JD. So the character (laughs) of JD is a psychopath. However... He's adorable, though. Veronica's in love with him, and so you as an audience need to fall in love with him. So the actor always has to walk a really fine line of being, you know, like a charming bad boy, but also you have to know he's crazy. Yeah. So, but he can't go too crazy, otherwise you're like, Veronica, you need to get out. So you have to understand why she stills with him, still loves him, like, right till the end, until Meant to be Yours, when he goes full crazy. Yes. And actors need to be able to flip that switch so well. And honestly, I feel both productions we saw of it... um, yeah, they well did a really good job. Hard. I was like, you're hot. And I will confidently <laughs> say on this podcast that both productions that we saw were better than Riverdale Heathers. <laughs> okay, Riverdale Heathers was <laughs> interesting. Was but also, interesting like, here's the problem with doing like a show like that. They didn't do the actual show. They just no. put these musical just, numbers into their They just did songs. And full then show. they called Veronica Veronica, even though Veronica wasn't playing Veronica. Yeah. Like. It was messy, but that's fine. I totally agree with you. And... Oh. I mean, you've definitely fallen in love with both JDs that we've yes. seen. Not Sweet Pea, though. On Not Riverdale. Sweet Pea on Riverdale. No way. No, but I think they both of them that we've seen have really walked that line. And, you know, I'm just a human girl. I love a bad boy here. <laughs> <laughs> I am not immune, but, you know. And when do? you are playing a bad boy with a face as cute as Ryan McCartan, it's yes. very easy to fall in love with you. He's so cute. He is. And his little high belt. Yeah, he's great. Um... What's your favorite song? I love Seventeen. Yes. Don't you want a life with me? Can't we be seventeen? That's all I want to do. It is the love song of the show, even though if you really dive into the lyrics, like she's trying to get away from him because... He's done all this terrible stuff. He's crazy. Yeah, he's insane. He's but there's just something about him other than the fact that he's adorable that she just gravitates to and she can't... She just wants to grow old with him. <laughs> Our Love is God is another one where, you know, it's kind of a scary thing has just happened and they're singing about how much they love each other and if they stick together. Um, so it's so dramatic in that the I think Ram and Kurt have just died. Yeah. And so they're kind of in this together, stuck together and bonded together. Um, no matter what at this point. Yeah. And it's a really dramatic act break. I also feel like Heather's is a show that you're sort of on a ride from the beginning all the way into the yeah. end. It's one of those shows that you can sort of like escape from reality because you're watching this crazy 80s musical <laughs> the, unfold in front of you. The tone of Heather's is so specific. Yeah, it is. In that, you know, um, main Heather. Heather Chandler. Heather Chandler. In that Heather Chandler has just 
been accidentally murdered by Veronica, and yet she sings this hilarious song about writing a fake suicide, suicide note. note. Yeah. And you're laughing, but also someone has just died. Yeah. And Heather's never goes too far in one direction. It is really successful at writing that line again of being between these two worlds. So you're, you're, it's never too heavy mm-hmm. and it's never too light. You never lose sight of what's happening. So it's a really specific tone that they're really successful at. Yeah. And then speaking of things that were never too heavy, Heather's, when it went to the UK, they actually changed songs. Yes. And they added songs and they took out the iconic song, Blue. I miss Blue. I miss Blue too. When we saw the Hard House production, yeah. right? We were like ready for Blue. We're like, Blue. And then all of us turned to each other and we're like, where's Blue? The and then the people behind us <laughs> and intermission were Googling being like, where's Blue? So obviously that song had a following because here's the thing. The tone is awful, <laughs> but it's hilarious. It's very rapey. Yeah, it's very rapey. But I think that You're Welcome, the song that came in for the UK version is... almost worse it's very in your face like they are going to sexually assault her yeah there is also another song that was added for veronica called i say no which is very much i think i want to say it was written for high schools because imagine a high school girl saying like i say no this trouble teen is getting clean i say no veronica no 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 don't say a word you're welcome. Is specific, well, I know was written for the licensing of the show. High school productions. Yeah. They, when they brought it to the West End, they were mind you, it. we are very set on the fact that Heather should not be performed by high school students. No, no. It's in the super Riverdale, Heather's Hermione Lodge was like no, and I'm like yes. Yeah, Hermione Lodge <laughs> is right. She is. She's right. And then another song that was added for the UK Heather's production is "Never Shut Up Again," which gives Heather Duke a chance to have a solo. Great. It's fine. I don't know that any of these. It's just hard, like we said, when you're so attached to a cast album, you can't move past that. So some other shows that we want to talk about um, on our Culty Fan Faves musical list Mm -hmm. is another cast album that I am super attached to is Dogfight. Oh, Dogfight. Derek Klenna, your little voice. Derek (laughs) Klenna has... Your big voice. Yeah, your big voice when you were little. Um, You have been obsessed with Dogfight for a while. A long time. I haven't well you guys yeah i actually okay. so here's the here's the story and steph will never let me live for nope. live down on this one um in 2017 uh i saw a sheridan production of dogfight it was phenomenal um they actually performed it like in the round oh, which that's was amazing. so cool the cast was so talented and after the show we're gonna expose there's a third person that is normally with us <laughs> for this podcast shara we know you're listening we saw it together and we both turned to each other in the car on the way home and we're like, what is this show? I need to listen to this over and over and over again. They sent me a message. Saying I'm like, we- I love Dogfight so much. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately felt so bad that we did not invite her to the Sheridan production of Dogfight. Ever since that day, like, I have not been able to stop talking about that production of Dogfight. It's such a good show. I obviously did not see this production. No, but I will also say that when I went to... Anastasia mm-hmm. in New York at the stage door. <laughs> I told Derek Lena how much I love Dogfight, and he was like, "You're the first person to tell me that." I'm really? like, "You're lying." You're I feel like maybe the first person to tell him that at Anastasia, or maybe that day. <laughs> yeah, that day. <laughs> Probably that day because like, Derek Lena, like his claim to fame is Dogfight, and I think that he's aware of that too. It's so good. It was one of his first jobs. I think he'd done maybe Carrie first. Wow, yeah. Look at him. <laughs> 
Derek Lennon well, yeah, part of the Calty fan fave musical. He had done, I think, Carrie, and then he did Dogfight with Lindsay Mendez, who's amazing as well. And yeah. Great ensemble. And then they also did Wicked right after that. I know, they together. went from Dogfight to Wicked. Um, so, and that was his big break, kind of. I think he got a lot of his jobs from... Um, the respect he gained from being in that show. And rightfully so. His voice is killer. It's so good. And also his acting on the cast recording. Yeah, amazing. That's another role where you have to walk a line where he's a bit of a jerk, but also you have to see his sweet side. He's a young boy going off to war the next day. And I can say, I mean, we unfortunately did not get to see the production of Dogfight that he was in, but I can tell you for a fact that you fully fall for that character on the cast recording. It's so easy to. first date last night. That is our favorite song. <laughs> I have a lot of favorite songs because, like, mm-hmm. Hometown Hero, Ticker Take Break. Yeah, that's is, a really like, good one. The male harmonies in this show, I could go on about for oh, an hour. God. It's like Newsies, but better. <laughs> um, there's, wow, better than Newsies. <laughs> I think so. I think the harmonies, these, the yeah, male harmonies great, in Dogfight are so it's a great cast recording. amazing. It's a great cast recording. And the other one that has super good male harmonies is Some Kind of Time. Some Kind of Time. Favorite you of that love show dog fight. is dog fight. I know. Annalie Ashford. Annalie Ashford slays. She always kind of comes into a show, has one killer number, and then you leave. You're like, wow, who is that girl? She's amazing. Yeah. Um, first date last night is my favorite. Also have a really soft spot for Pretty Funny because yeah. Lindsay Mendez just killed that it. That song is like so relatable. Like yeah. you hear and you're she's this girl who was just embarrassed hugely. Yeah. And for anybody just, that doesn't know about dogfight, it's these army guys that um they have this competition. It's their to, last night before going to Vietnam. Yeah. So they the, have a competition, the dogfight. To bring the ugliest date. Yes. Which is horrible. It's so mean, it's so mean. Um, and then if you have the ugly state, if you're born of the ugly state, you win the prize. So these guys are bringing these girls and, and they don't Rose, know Rose, um, Eddie Birdlace brings Rose and she's so excited to be asked out on this date by this cute boy. And then obviously she gets embarrassed at the end and, but then he comes back and he takes her on a date yeah. and then he goes to war. But then it kind of ends sad. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, another one based on like a movie, smaller movie with River Phoenix and, uh, and this show definitely falls into the not super successful category of culty musicals. I think they were really hoping that would transfer. It should have transferred. Just based off that cast recording alone, it should have that transferred. That would have had a really, like, not all shows, I think, suit a Broadway space, should it suit a bigger house. But I think. Yeah, but think about, like, the Belasco. Like, that could have gone no, there. No, I know. Dogfight, I think, would have suited a bigger house. For sure. It could have had a, a life in a bigger house. It's also a Pasek and Paul musical. Oh, that was Pasek and Paul, like, before their Broadway yeah. debut. Yeah, yeah. Sh- it's amazing. Just to go down a list of shows, uh, The Last Five Years is also classified as a culty musical. It still has never made it to Broadway, which you say... I don't know if it should. Yeah, it's I disagree. It's only two people. You know, a, an intimate space is meant... Like, that's what it's meant for, yeah. I think, to just be kind of 
a fly on the wall in this relationship. Yeah. But the fans of that... It's definitely a cast recording that I listen to all the time, and they made a movie out of it with Jeremy Jordan and Anna Kendrick, mm-hmm. a person that I am obsessed with. <laughs> Jeremy Jordan is one you of those people. You the cult of Jeremy Jordan. I might be the leader of that cult. I discovered Jeremy Jordan through the best, worst TV show of all time, Smash. I am one of those people that anytime that his name is attached to something... I'm going to find a way to see it. You're interested. I know. He had a big year the year Smash was out. We were just talking. That was the year Bonnie and Clyde flopped. Sadly. Then he went into Newsies, Mm -hmm. Tony nomination, and then he left Newsies to film Smash. So that was a huge year for him. Yeah. And speaking of Bonnie and Clyde, that is also on the list of culty musicals. Oh, Bonnie and Clyde. Laura Osnes and Jeremy Jordan, Dying Ain't So Bad and Bonnie are probably two of, like, the best songs. Dying Ain't So Bad. Wow. When Jeremy Jordan sings Bonnie in the bathtub, like, how could you not fall in love with him? But that show was not successful. Huge flop. It ran for, I want to say, like, 30-something previews, but then also only ran for 30-something performances. I want to say it started end of November and closed end of December. But I do think that just because both of them have become super popular recently, that Mm -hmm. if they tried to bring it back, it would do well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I See, because now we're going to talk about another show, a show that I love. Sideshow. I have not heard or seen anything from this. Okay, so it originally opened on Broadway in 1997. It is about um, these conjoined twins, Daisy and Violet. And the music is wild. And the show is super weird because it's about them at a sideshow. And it's very weird. It's a weird show. I think kind of a through line is that all these are weird shows. Yeah, there is. Like, there's a weird undertone to all of them, I feel. But, like, weird, not bad. No, just weird. I don't know. I like weird things. Yeah. I'm more interested in weird things. Yeah, for sure. Something that's going to be basic and normal mm-hmm. so it starred emily skinner and alice ripley and they were nominated for a joint to- tony for playing oh wow isn't that cool yeah um so it got mixed reviews it didn't land with critics it was very specific it was not to everyone's taste so it closed after two months mm-hmm. so then in 2014 uh bill condon wanted to revive it so they revived it on broadway they kind of opened around the same time they opened same time of year they opened the first time and closed basically after two months again so this is a show that had a huge cult following built up in that 17 years in between and was not enough was still your and they reworked the musical but what is it why isn't it successful why isn't it successful i know because the fan base is passionate but small they can't sustain that's true a multi-month run on broadway which brings me to a show that we already mentioned but be more chill is that going to have a successful Broadway run? This is one of the shows in recent times that has broken the barrier of this off-Broadway musical actually made it to mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't even off-Broadway the first time. In 2015, no. it was in New Jersey. Yeah. And that cast recording gained a cult following. Yeah. And that led to its off-Broadway run, which, which was a sold-out off-Broadway run, and then led to its Broadway run, which is kind of a cinderella story for that show it is for sure and i also think that they have a lot to owe to social media because this Mm -hmm. show i watched i think it was a theater mania interview it was on opening night of be more chill and will roland said that this show made its way to broadway in a very um old-fashioned way which is Mm -hmm. word of mouth but it's word of mouth in today's (laughs) day and age which is through social media Mm -hmm. i read a really interesting article the cbc did a profile on be more chill which is kind of surprising because it's great Canada loves Be More Chill, clearly. Um, And a quote from the article said that it's thanks in part to a new wave of young fans hungry for musicals that speak or sing to them, which I think The Lightning Thief is on that road Mm -hmm. as well. And um, Mike Carnes, the CEO and founder of Marathon Digital, said that their goal has been to 
come and throw gas on the fire with the mm-hmm. more chill. And I feel like that's fair because their social media game Gassing is up the strong. Fans. Definitely for sure. Even the Lightning Thief, their Twitter account, they're having oh a great God. time. Oh my God. When we got retweeted by the Lightning Thief Twitter account. So exciting. It was so exciting. <laughs> no, but even to bring it back to their musicals that speak or sing to people. And that's another through line of them. Not only they're a little weird, but they have these kind of universal messages. Be More Chill is about a kid who doesn't fit in and what he does to do that. Sideshow, even though it's about these conjoined twins, they sing a song, Who Will Love Me As I Am. That's such a relatable message. But Who I, loves me as I am? But I also feel like there's a lot of shows that have that, like, yeah. moment <laughs> that you put yourself in the character's shoes. Mm-hmm. They're speaking about their own specific story, mm-hmm. and yet they're singing a message that everyone can relate to. Everyone feels the exact same way or can say, wow, I've had that emotion. I've felt that experience, and I know what they're going through. And to listen to that song again makes you, like, revisit it. Yeah. Another favorite of yours, which did have, I guess it was sort of successful, is Spring Awakening. Oh, I love Spring Awakening. (laughs) I feel like your roster of favorite musicals are all cults. (laughs) (laughs) I I just love cults. (laughs) I'll just, like, sound clip that blackmail me with it. Yeah. Um, No, but Spring Awakening, that was the first musical I ever fell in love with. Um, But you hadn't seen it. No, I've, I've never seen Spring Awakening. Yeah. It's just the cast recording that I fell in love with. Listening to that cast recording, watching Jonathan Groff and Leigh Michelle and John Gallagher Jr. on YouTube, I feel like that's just got me excited. That cast recording is another one. It's about teenagers who feel like their parents don't understand them. Mm-hmm. I was in high school when I was obsessed with it, or I still am obsessed with it, but when I first fell in love, parents just don't understand them. They're trying to figure out who they are and what their identity is, and they're all going through these weird things, and... You know, as a teenager, I related to teenagers just yeah. being like, what is my place in this world? Where am I going? And that spoke to me. I love it the music. It is the bitch from, of living. <laughs> it, is, it is the bitch of living. Um, I love the cast recording. I feel like the show was tainted for me because I saw it way too young. <laughs> potentially. I've never seen it, so I never I was in elementary school when I yeah, saw it. Maybe that's potentially a little young. I mean, there is a full-on sex scene on stage. Yeah. And... I was with my mom. Yeah, maybe. And it was just, I don't know. I feel like I had a weird first experience of it. And it sort of made me be like, what is this show? Yeah, that's another thing. It kind of has to hit you at the exact right time in your life, you know? Spring Awakening, for me, yeah, I think it was maybe 15, 16. I'm going to expose myself as the reason I heard of it was the pilot episode of 90210. (laughs) Oh, my God. The revival of 90210. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Not like 1990. I was not alive. Um, But... (laughs) <laughs> the pilot episode of the new 90210. They yes, did they do Mama Who Bore Me. They do Mama Who Bore Me. They were putting it I on. I actually love that also. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I heard that music. Yeah. And that was kind of the first, like, I had heard of musicals before and I'd love music when I was a dancer, so I knew a yeah. lot of stuff. But that was where it clicked to me and I became obsessed with it from there. So it hit me just, like, right at the exact right time. Mama Who Bore Me. Mama Who Gave Me. No way to handle things. Who made me so sad. Mama. I actually feel like the reason that I started listening to the cast album again is when I became friends with you. It's possible because it's like Spring Awakening is where it's at. Let's go. Yeah. Touch Me is a bop. Mm-hmm. Uh. But it's interesting because NBC did a show called mm-hmm. Rise that in the show they put on 
a production of Spring Awakening. Mm -hmm. Not appropriate for high schools. Definitely not appropriate for high schools. That show did not work. That show was a flop. It was definitely... I watched every episode still. I have them all on my DVR. It's fine. I watched the pilot. And then we just kind of never got around to it. it and they had some, me. like, talented people. Like, Tiffany Mann was in that show, and now she's on Broadway. Tiffany J. Block was in that. Oh, my God, I forgot she about that. She was the that. mom. She, like, yeah. the super religious mom. Wasn't Daphne Rubin Vega in this? Yeah, she was. Yeah. It had Broadway cred. But it just... The one that ruined it, though, was Josh Radner. <laughs> he couldn't go. His character sucked, too. Yeah, it was not this good. This is a Rise hate podcast. Yeah, it now is. But that one is interesting to me because when I saw the preview that the show was coming out, I'm like, oh, so interesting that NBC is trying another musical <laughs> TV show. They just, like, keep getting them, putting themselves up. They're being vulnerable, yeah. and they just keep getting shut down. And um, I was excited because... I will expose myself, and you are in the same boat, but I love Smash, and yeah. still love we Smash. We talk about Smash every episode. It's we talk about Smash every day. Like, there's <laughs> not a day that goes by that a Smash reference does not come up. The cult of Smash is real. And it's now revived itself. Catherine McPhee has basically <laughs> named herself the captain of the... That's not true. Andrew Barth Feldman yeah. is doing the, the campaign to bring back Smash, but... Yeah. It also, somebody, oh, Jennifer Ashley Tepper, producer of Be More Chill, yeah, yeah. tweeted saying that Smash was a documentary. <laughs> Every day she tweets that. And I agree with that. The road to Smash was how the theater people are, like, struggling to find jobs, and mm-hmm. there's drugs and sex, and everything is in that show. I feel like if it went the route that they wanted to go and be like, on Showtime, went really it would have been super successful. More boundaries, it makes me sure. think of FX's new show coming out, Fosse Verdon, and We're that excited. is going to, I'm so excited, but that is gonna be racy because fx is racy it should be because especially the time period that they were that they're the show is about is definitely a more racy yeah um culture around theater and at that time like Catherine mcphee had won american idol she She did not win american idol sorry she came in second wow to taylor hicks (laughs) also was on broadway i'm an american idol historian here thank you um but she was she was on american idol she was doing scorpion and this is before scorpion oh was it yeah she got Scorpion out of Smash. <laughs> it's wow. very similar. She was a name at the time. She might have been the only name. Oh, well, Deborah Messing was in Deborah it. Messing she was, was a name. It. Angelica Houston is a name. But they really filled out the rest of the cast with true theater people. Megan Hilty, Christian Borrell in season two they brought in. Chris Jeremy R- Jordan. Chris Rowdy. R- Andy Mantis. And Andy Leslie Odom Jr. Um, yeah. Pre-Tony. Pre-Tony. I love season two of Smash. It's... <laughs> Like, hated by everybody, but I love season two. No, when at the 50 or below, they organized the Hitless concert where they fully staged Hitless. I fully, again, gonna expose myself, look for tickets for that show. (laughs) It was immediately sold out. They also did a. Oh my god, Wesley Taylor? Yes, I forgot him. Oh, Bobby. Love Bobby. Um, Wesley Taylor was an OG Smash member, though. Yeah. And it's. I don't know. I don't know what it is about, but I think it was at the time when the show came out, I was really starting to get super into musical theater mm-hmm. and it was a tv show that related to me not that i ever took the route of be- going into musical theater mm-hmm. but it was people that loved theater that performed theater mm-hmm. nick jonas made a cameo in smash <laughs> uh, butts was on that one episode yeah like they um, had it was will a, chase oh my god will chase there's so many people and again it's something that we talk about to this day but another show that fully flopped on nbc which brings me to a third failed show which was Rent Live. Oh my god. How failed was it though? Like it wasn't It had the worst ratings of any live musical. Like it wasn't great, but it didn't live up to their expectations. No, sure. and but that still again like brings me to the question of how do these fan favorite cult following shows 
how are they not successful? And why are they still not successful? But I think it's to your point of, like, the fan base is small. and They're strong but small. Yeah. You know, maybe loving musicals is kind of a cult, too. Yeah. The thesis statement of this episode. (laughs) We have realized the reason we are doing this podcast is because we are part of a cult. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe. Like, loving Mm. theater, I mean, loving theater as much as we do is... Mm -hmm. Not something yeah. that you see every day. There are shows that kind of transcend just being for musical theater lovers. Something like Hamilton mm-hmm. is loved not just by me and you, people who love musicals, but by, you know, Joe on the street. Yeah. Who is trying to get tickets to see their first musical or... Or so-and-so who loves hip-hop music, but then finds mm-hmm. out that now hip-hop is in musical theater. It's a way in for so many different people yeah. to get to see musicals. Even something like Dear Evan Hansen, let's say, I feel like musical theater lovers love that but also it has you know had a life outside of just musical theater lovers it's those shows I consider more phenomenons than cult favorites because they have a passionate fan base Mm -hmm. but their fan base also extends even beyond just musical theater fans yeah and like I think Wicked is also in that category Mm -hmm. and I would say that just based off the success and longevity that Rent would be in that category but it's totally not Rent is a cult musical musical. it's it's kind of a weird Rent was also a phenomenon, but it's also a cult musical. It's a yeah. weird mix of both of those. Because, I mean, the fan base of Rent, like, people call themselves Rent heads. Yeah. And there when, are, you, when there's a name for the fan base, it's, it's a cult musical. musical. So a Tumblr Rent page. We got and, the guilty ones. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about that one. It's a little weird. I think the Be More Chill one is, like, Be More Chillers, which is kind That's of lame. Great. That's not great. No. We, we're going to workshop that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just to go down the list of other musicals that are um, culty... Uh, one that has a super small fan base that we have not been a part of is Bat Boy, the musical. I know, that came up on every list I looked up. Yeah, I literally know nothing about it. We're not in the cult of Bat Boy. No. Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, chess. Title of show. And I think probably maybe the most successful of all of these is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Just yeah. universally. Well, like, the movie comes mm-hmm. on TV every Halloween, even though it's so inappropriate. Um, people, they the show is put into theaters and people have specific things they do mm-hmm. for scenes in the yeah. movie um i've never seen a stage version of it no they did it at stratford stratford a few years ago yeah and robert marcus who's currently True. playing dear evan hansen was Riff Raff. that's awesome um yeah but it, it has great music they did it on glee they did it on glee that's my petition for the next riverdale musical rocky horror yes <laughs> that'll be so good archie in the little gold shorts wow <laughs> honestly shocking that they haven't done it yet um, I don't think that Riverdale should do another musical episode. No, they're going to do another one. Do another I'm one. over it. One, Another one I can think of is Crybaby. Do you know anything about the musical Crybaby? No, but I've heard of it. So it's based on a Johnny Depp movie um, in 1990, and it only ran on Broadway for three months in 2008, and they did not make a cast recording until 2015, with only 88.4% of the original Broadway cast. Wow. There is an amazing song in it, and this is the reason I'm talking about it, called Screw Loose. Ali Mozzie sings and she goes nuts in this song and I listen to it on the daily. Also James Snyder was in this musical. The current currently Harry Potter. Yeah, currently Harry Potter in the Cursed Child. But yeah, it ran for three months and the fan base was so strong for it without a cast recording that they eventually recorded a cast recording seven years later. Um, That's insane. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. That they, that they didn't do it at the time but they thought there was a need for it mm-hmm. so much later and they 
put the money in and invested in to give the fans um, that recording. Yeah, I also think that this is just with any of these musicals in general is people create fan followings to have a sense of inclusion and to have yeah a community of people that they're comfortable with I feel like we've done that together yes like this is us this is our friendship yeah and it's it's super cool that you can find like people can find something I mean this can be for tv shows movies theater Mm -hmm. whatever that you find something that you love and it's like hey who else loves this who else is like me and is obsessed with this I'm going to talk about when I saw Head Over Heels yes last year um Head Over Heels was a lot of fun was it my favorite show I've ever seen? No, I'm not in the cult of Head Over Heels, but I am going to say I listen to the music a lot, and I'm going to start with the song Mad About You. It's great. Um, but we sat next to a woman. We were in the front row. We got the rush tickets, and this woman next to us told us this was her 10th time seeing the show, and she said every time she came, it, like, filled her up. It made her feel better. Mm-hmm. This, this kind of show, like, made it easier her, for her to go through her week and experience life, and it brought so much joy to her and everyone on Twitter was loving Head Over Heels even though it definitely was not successful no how did it run so long nobody knows yeah um how did it run at all nobody (laughs) knows but it for those people who it really connected to who really loved it it was so important it meant so much so Mm -hmm. you know I'm not in that cult but I respect and love that love that they have for it I guess this sort of is in the realm of culty slash fan favorites but we are bringing back (laughs) our obsessions of the week favorite segment here we go this is not very good for a podcast but it is an instagram account my phone is dying so let's see if we can pull it up um it is the instagram account of nick palmquist he's a choreographer and he has this insane kind of style of dance that i'm obsessed with and i just scroll through his instagram all day and watch him dance (laughs) He has, like, a little, like, Bob Fosse kind of style. Wow. It's very, like, small movements. And he, it looks like he's moving through honey. Just the way, it's, like, slow. It's not sharp. And he's also all about not getting the steps perfect, but really feeling. Like, you dance from your heart. And I just, every movement and every choreography brings me joy. So I'm going to shout out his Instagram handle. And that's my obsession that I scroll through all the time. So he's at uh, N.A. Palmquist. So we'll tweet that out just so you can follow him up. Does this have anything to do with musical theater? Like, he <laughs> teaches at Steps on Broadway <laughs> in New York. He was in the Radio City Spectacular. Oh, wow. So he's a dancer. Mine is a song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like this has been my obsession since I've heard it, and, like, I can't stop listening to it, but Town, <laughs> all I've ever known. I love the... Uh, I don't want to call it the original cast recording because I know that they're going to do an original cast recording, but the original cast recording. The concept album. Yes. um, That is the first time I heard it. There was just recently a Hadestown cabaret before the show started previews. And Eva Nobozada and Reeve Carney did All I've Ever Known. And I was like, whoa, what is this song? Her voice is so stunning. So beautiful. I love Reeve Carney. As we know, I've seen Spider-Man twice. Cult show? You know, that's a good question. Spider-Man. Hmm. No fan fans. base. <laughs> Did it have fans, though? Did it? 
It, I, I, I think it had Reeve Carney fans. Definitely Reeve Carney fans. I feel like Spider-Man was another show that was an entry point for people into yeah. musicals. Someone's like, oh, I like Spider-Man. I like comic books. Let's see that. And maybe that was the first musical they saw. Unsuccessful. They lost a lot of money. They did. And they ran, they didn't run for a short amount of time either. No, I saw it twice. I went to New York twice and that was before I was going like consistently <laughs> every year. So I want to say it was on for a long time. That's so funny. Um, Welcome back to Broadway, Reef Carney. We can't wait for Hades Town. <laughs> I love that song so much. So pretty. And I recently watched uh, Evil Numbers out as Show People with Paul Wintorek. Um, Broadway.com does these great interviews with mm-hmm. cast members. And she was saying that when she heard that song, she fell in love with it. I mm-hmm. think it might have been the first song that she heard from Hades Town. And she has this great moment where she looks at the camera and she's like, as soon as you see us do that number, like, you're just going to fall in love. It's just so pretty. The music is amazing. And yeah, I I'm love it. I'm excited for the new Obsessed. cast recording of Hades Town. I can't wait. With all the I mean, cast. Patrick Page is already on one of the cast recordings. Oh, Patrick Page. But yeah, to hear all the new cast and I feel like some stuff has probably been reorchestrated. Yeah. So... It would, maybe even moved around. Yeah. Changes. So exciting. So I think that's it for yeah. today. So you can listen to us anywhere podcasts are found. And that includes Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, um, Stitcher, anywhere you want. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Off2BWayPodcast. That's with the number two. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.